I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest on today's episode is Ben Larison, who is just the kindest, funniest guy that you could ever hope to meet and have a long conversation with. Uh, Ben actually toyed with uh, having his topic be conversations in general, but he felt like it would be too much of a cop-out, but I, I think this episode is apparent why that's the case. Just really smart intuitive, uh, interesting guy uh, and conversationalist that I really enjoyed sitting down with to talk about his love of happiness, which he also got anxious during the recording that um, that was a cop-out too, but I don't think so, and and I think you'll find out why. Um, The dude started a club called the Happiness Club at Northwestern. Uh, just for instance, as a thing that uh, Ben has done in his constant uh, desire to seek out happiness and to provide it for others. And, you know, <laughs> who can fault anyone for that? Uh, and I think he's done a great job and continues to do a great job. Uh, we talk a lot about his current project um, to provide happiness for people in a small way. It's called the uh, Chicago Transit Project please uh, look that up on Kickstarter. I will uh, link it in the notes, throw them some bones, um, do a silly thing uh, to make people's commutes here in Chicago a little bit brighter. Um, And if you can't afford to throw some bones at it, you know, throw the link up on your Facebook or your Twitter or something like that. Uh, Anything that he uh, gets, you know, helps work towards achieving that goal for him and brightening Chicago's days, uh, which is, you know, like I said, an admirable thing to want to do. Uh, I would talk a bit about this past weekend here in the intro, but I actually talked to Ben about it at the top of the show, so that will more than suffice, as I felt like I went spent too much time talking about it. Uh, but man, it was, it was a total adventure and a lot of fun, and uh, the people at Cards Against Humanity are incredible, including past guests of the show, Max Temkin. Uh, He's just the best, uh, and I am thankful for everything that they've done for the Nerdalogs and continue to do for the Nerdalogs. Um, And the Nerdalogs, man, what a great bunch. Go back and listen to the episodes where they're guests. Go back to listen to all the episodes, too, but, like, man, those people, good folks. Uh, So... A couple of plugs before we get into the episode this Saturday at 10 o'clock at the Annoyance Theater, Splatter Theater. Opens, come see that for lots of blood-filled humor comedy playtimes. That's what I'll call it. Um, And that'll run for all of September and October, Uh, so you've got some chances, something that you don't have many chances for is uh, this Friday, 8 o'clock, that's September 5th, at the One Group Mind Theater. Reagan Reagan will be having our last show. 
uh, before we retire and ride off into the sunset. So um, again, great group of people, uh, many who, many of whom have been guests on this show. So you may or may not have heard them talk about some things they're passionate about. Um, they're some of my favorite people in the world. That show is going to be uh, an adventure of emotions. Um, come check it out. It's it's good stuff. It's good people. It's good comedy. And uh, I think that if you like this, then you would like that. Um, I know that's a thing I say every once in a while, but I mean it. Um, it's got my seal of approval, biasedly. <laughs> Another thing that has my seal of approval, unbiasedly, is... Uh, all the projects that Ben Larison works on. So um, check out Chicago Transit Project. Keep an eye out for his show opening at the Annoyance later on this year. And uh, just generally be a fan, because he's a real good dude. And I think you will hear why. Thank you so much. <laughs> Enjoy. Oh, pertinent. Yeah. Pertinent to the conversation. Uh, what were you doing in Seattle? Uh, I flew out there with the Nerdalogs. Uh, yeah. Yeah, to do a show. Um, Cards Against Humanity uh, was a part of a conference in Seattle called PAX. Um, there's a PAX Prime in Seattle, and there's a bunch of others all over. But they're just um, like board game and video game conferences. Awesome. Um, and Cards flew out some of the members of the group last year to like generally help them with stuff and do a show. And after last year's conference, they were like, we're flying all of you out this year. So so we did, they flew us and improvised Star Trek um, and booked Maria Bamford because she was in town for Bumbershoot. Holy cow. And we essentially opened for Maria Bamford (laughs) at a show. That's amazing. It was absolutely incredible. I assume you guys got to talk and stuff. Uh, not only a little, like, she showed up after, um, Star Trek had already started, and our set was right after theirs, and her set was right after ours, so there was only so much, like, time, um, but, like, she greeted us and, like, like, wished us, you know, it was like, hey, have a great show, guys, and we're like, you're Maria Bamford, uh, and then, like, yeah, she, like, watched and laughed at our first couple sketches, and then, like, went into the green room and kind of, you know, did some own, some of her own prep, and then we were coming off stage, she was, uh, you know, obviously waiting to come on, and she was like, great job, guys, yay, like, she was so nice, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't, it didn't feel right to, like, overwhelm her or, like, specifically try to, like, talk to her or anything, but she was really nice. I, like, pat her on the shoulder. When when she was like, great show, guys, I was like, you know, break a leg or something like that, and and, uh, immediately after I did it, I was like, because it's just, like, a reflexive thing when you're coming off stage to do for the people that are going on after you and immediately after I did it I was like oh I don't (laughs) I I don't I don't know this incredibly successful stand-up comedian who I admire with every fiber of my being that's Uh, awesome that you were in a place where you felt that comfortable it really that's really like it didn't hit me until right after I did it that I was like oh that's something you normally do but not necessarily in this situation I feel like it means that the show went that well and that she was that down to earth and cool honestly I can't disagree with either of those things the show went really well art set was very tight um we basically we did a 40 minute set at Jangleheart last weekend 
and then pared it down to like 2025 this for this weekend. So we kind of felt like we had already done it once, except like longer. <laughs> so we pared it down and got it um, tighter, and it was more of like a greatest hits yeah. as opposed to like a lot of the new stuff that we wrote for Jingle Heart. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I actually traded a couple of emails with Max. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he week. mentioned that while we were in Seattle because I think he asked if any of us knew about the uh, project, the transit yeah. project. Yeah. Um, and I have a friend from college who I guess knew him oh. and who I haven't seen in like four years who saw another friend of mine post on Facebook about, about the Kickstarter it. and then she saw it and then she talked to him and then she emailed me. I don't know gotcha. exactly how it all happened. Yeah, he's uh, but kind he of seemed a... really nice. Yeah, he's so fucking nice. Like, he's, uh... He's someone who, like, I'm just so glad to have, like, in our corner as the Nerdalogs and just, sure. like, as a friend, honestly. He, he's, he's super nice, super funny, is kind of, like, the face of their game yeah. in, in a lot of ways. He's easily the, well, he's basically <laughs> the most, like, outgoing of the eight guys who made it. A lot of them, like, would, don't really want most of the... Well, none of them really want the, like, attention and weird, like, pseudo-celebrity that comes along with this that, like, only really comes out at things like this yeah. where everyone at PAX was, like, is aware that, you know, this is where the Cards Against Humanity yeah. booth is. And, like, what was it like being, like, a guest of of theirs at that thing because they're like the they've got to be like one of the big yeah. presences there and you're a part of that crew they they really are yeah. one of the biggest presences at <laughs> that um conference and i don't know it was it was interesting it felt really cool it was a lot of fun they were so cool about it and like really just like that we're willing to kind of like, they thank us for the stuff that we do for them. And we're just like, no, are you guys <laughs> fucking kidding me? Like you're giving us all these incredible opportunities. Like we helped with their panel, uh, on one of the, on the first night of the, con of the, uh, conference. And, uh, as we were like waiting for the panel before theirs to clear out and come back in, one of the, um, women, Trin, who works for them is kind of like, like, she's basically, like, the manager of Cards Against Humanity. Uh, she was just like, man, thank you so much for helping with this. And I was like, you, you flew us out here and gave us somewhere to stay and are putting us up in front of an audience who's never seen us before, who has not seen that much comedy before even, like, a completely different audience than a Chicago audience. And so, and loved it, and there were so many people, the coolest part about it was that there were so many people who came up after, we did a scripted show and we did an improv show, um, and, uh, there were people who came up to us after both shows who were like, this is the best show I've ever seen at PAX. That's so cool. Because yeah. most, most of the shows that are there are like entertaining, creative people, but not necessarily performers and not necessarily like comedians, not to take away from anything that they're doing, but like this, it was a very different yeah. brand of show than a lot of other stuff that's going on at the conference. So in my mind, Cards Against Humanity, even though apparently last year they got a little bit of like, I don't want to say backlash, but like. It's the only word that comes to Push mind. Back. 
like yeah, a little like pushback because they're like, who are these other people? Like we came because we <laughs> want to see Cards Against Humanity, and they're like, you guys don't get it. Like <laughs> yes, we are writers of this game, but we're not performers. We're not like on demand funny. These people are. These are the people that we think are funny. That like so that's kind of they like framed it better like that this year. They're like, hey. We don't know what we're doing. These people do, and kind of just like turn it over to us. Uh, so it was, it was really, really cool, and and doesn't seem like something that like will end with that weekend. Like it seems like something else that we'll oh, get gosh, a chance that's to do. So again. Awesome, yeah. And it seems like there's a lot of crossover between the brand they've established. Yeah, I, I guess to use that gross word. Yeah, and, it's true though. And the kind of comedy that you guys do, they seem very compatible. Yeah, there's definitely crossover there. Uh it's uh like doing the improv show is interesting because we incorporate the cards. It's the same show that we Yeah, yeah, yeah. did at IO um last at the beginning of last year. Um uh so we like incorporate the card game into the show to produce suggestions. So that makes it really easy to like br- bridge the gap of like this is what our comedy is and this is this game you like you oh, know gosh. and for an audience that hasn't seen long form before yeah that has to be yeah mind-blowing cool my favorite thing that someone said after the show he's like this is my second favorite thing that's ever happened at pax and i was like oh what was the first favorite thing what was your first favorite thing and he was like Oh, on opening night after, at the after party, they had an open bar. <laughs> and I was like, so if we had given you booze, this easily would have been the first favorite thing. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, I met my wife here. Yeah. <laughs> Everything went great. No, open bar. You can't top open you bar. Can't, comedy show will never be open bar. Yeah. That's why comedy is basically mostly held in bars, I guess. Yep. Because and this was the set, this was the improv show, which was not at like a theater that served food and drink. It was just like where their booth was. <laughs> it was a room that had a hundred seats in it, and they capped the show at a hundred and had to turn people away. It was awesome. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. It was. Man, your weekend kicked ass. I mean, <laughs> you went to a wedding. I did. It was really <laughs> great. It was really really great. Yeah. Uh, it was family wedding. It was my cousin's wedding. Uh-huh. Uh, I was the best man. I'd never... Oh, that's awesome. I've never been yeah, in a wedding I'd party. I've never done that before. Yeah. And it was great. And my cousin's really relaxed. And uh, it was really easy. Like, I, I felt like I almost should You're... be doing more. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was I was doing some stuff, I guess. Uh... But I, I felt... Yeah, and it was it was really really terrific. That's awesome. Where was it? Cleveland. Cleveland. That's and right. It was in like the nice neighborhood in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, which I think there's one of, maybe two. <laughs> uh, and it was really nice. Uh huh. It was really really nice. It's right by uh, Case Western. Uh huh. And uh, it's the beginning of the school year, so there are all these like chalk drawings on the ground advertising uh free pizza and t-shirts and bubble tea right and there was a big one advertising free snow cones and they had arrows and so obviously i followed the arrows (laughs) and then there was no one there because it had been from like several days before and it just just like such a such a letdown i was all like i'm gonna go get a snow cone <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the totally the downfall of you know using sidewalk chalk to advertise. Yeah, something. there's no date on it. It just said today, <laughs> so I took a shot at today. 
Uh, and then <laughs> there was no snow cone. And then the other ridiculous thing that happened, Case Western related, is that the hotel where we were staying was really close to campus. Uh, and I was walking uh, to uh, go exercise. Uh, and I was walking and I saw in a, a field like next to the sidewalk I saw a patch of clovers mm-hmm. and this summer I've been really into looking for four leaf clovers oh, and so I went over and I like crashed down in the grass and started looking through for clovers and after I don't know how long it felt like about 15 or 30 seconds a uh, cop car pulled over and it was Case Western security police folks oh my gosh. and he was like Are you doing okay? oh no and I just looked up and I just reacted by going, I'm just looking around. <laughs> and he was like, all right. And then he drove off. <laughs> I'm just looking around deeply in I'm this bed around. of clover. Because I couldn't explain. I'm just a 27-year-old guy looking for a four-leaf clover <laughs> in the grass in Cleveland. <laughs> Outside of With a backpack. Oh, Don't worry oh about it. Oh my god. So, what time of day was it? <laughs> like two in the afternoon. Okay. I figured sometime <laughs> during the day. Yeah, it was at least during the day. Right. I But I thought it was great because it shows the investment on the part of the police. Right. I want to make sure. I don't think he was suspicious. I thought maybe he thought I was like day drunk or right. or something bad or had happened or maybe I was looking for like a contact. Yeah. Uh, but... That's so funny. No, I I thought it was really funny. I mean, funny I guess I, it would be a, like, unique sight. <laughs> but I like we'll how I didn't, even, I didn't even give him a good answer. Just, just looking said, around. Just looking around. I didn't say, I'm just looking around for a four-leaf clover. I just said, I'm just looking around. And I guess he, once he that saw was I wasn't enough. impaired, he... Or he, uh, incoherent. Yeah. He just kind of went right along. Oh man! Oh gosh! That's so funny. Um, yeah, what, my guest today is Ben Larison. <laughs> after that lovely tale, uh, and he is going to be talking to me about his love of happiness. Yeah, which, which hearing that spoken, it, even it kind of that kind of seems like a cop out. I don't. Think who doesn't so. love happiness? Yeah, but like you have a unique uh, passion, love of. Knowledge of happiness? Knowledge might be generous, but (laughs) passion is definitely true. I really am into the idea of it and the idea of spreading it and Uh trying to find it. And I, yeah, like the knowledge side of things I've been getting more into lately. Like Mm -hmm. I've been reading more about it from a scientific and psychological perspective. Oh, that's great. And uh, I watched like that TED Talk, which everyone has seen about... Like the science of happiness. I've and, heard of it. I haven't seen it. So. Yeah. The the gist of it is basically like that people have an idea of happiness and what it is, but and they think that there's uh, a right kind of happiness and then mm-hmm. there's a wrong kind of happiness almost, and that there's something called synthetic happiness, okay. which is a happiness that is almost manufactured and that doesn't come from something just like quote unquote happening in your life, but comes from uh, from like the circumstances or comes from what your brain either consciously or subconsciously wanting to create or convince yourself that like a delusion. you are that you are happy with what happened or where you are like okay. the example given in this one TED talk uh, 
is like, for example, Pete Best, who was the drummer that was in the Beatles before uh, he was replaced by Ringo, Ringo Starr, had a quote where he was saying, like, I think I'm much happier than I would have been if I were in the Beatles. Wow. And if you look at it on the surface, you go, you're insane. <laughs> it's like, okay, dummy. Uh, yeah, but in some way, like, his brain either had literally convinced himself that he was happier, or he had come up with enough ways to justify why he was happier, which I think mm. you can do in that particular circumstance. Yeah. Because I would imagine that being one of the four most famous people in the world, uh, and being constantly <laughs> surrounded by thousands of screaming people for years would really take a yeah. toll on you. Uh, yeah, I mean, even <coughs> like even going back to those guys who made Cards Against Humanity, like it's very apparent that they really don't want... And that's a fraction of the level of like what you're talking about i there i think some of them are even like close to you know being done with like being a part of it creatively but they're all they've all been friends for a really long time and they seem really self-aware of the whole thing like i'll i'll listen to other podcasts sorry Sorry, I, I listen uh, to cheat on this podcast. It's cool, I man. Listen to other podcasts. I get but, it. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> Comedy Bang Bang, they sponsor that show yeah. on occasion, and the ad for is this. You know, this episode is sponsored by Comedy Bang Bang. They, they ask us not to read an ad. Yeah, uh, yeah. which they do that I for... love. I love that so much. It's the best. Yeah, Max was telling me that like they they do that for a ton of podcasts, um, and something that came out of that is. There were a few podcasts who, like, wanted to, like, fill the space with something, and I don't know if Max did this or someone else did, but they got Gilbert Gottfried to read that part of the ad, like, hello, you know, (laughs) this episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity, and then he read the entirety of the um, monologue from Independence Day. <laughs> so they played that the clip at their one? panel. Yeah, oh, they played the president monologue <laughs> as read by Gilbert Gottfried, which is apparently like a filler that they have for ads instead of actually having an See, ad. See, I love stuff like <laughs> that. I love right. bits of absurdity. I love things that are unexpected that uh-huh. come into your day, and that makes you just that much a little bit happier. Yeah. And that can change everything. And I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of... I knew that would be up I'm your really alley, into. which is one of the reasons that's why I brought so it up. so spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I really want to hear that. You know what? I'm Podcast sure you can find it online. I really have to find I'm it. I'm sure that's you can so find good. it. Uh, oh, that's so good. They played it... Yeah, because they played it during their panel, but I don't know... Did you guys record the panel? Uh, I think someone did, but we, we did awesome. not specifically... Uh, but yeah, you gotta find that if you can. So <laughs> I'll actually, I'll try to link it in the notes if I can find <laughs> it. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, uh, but it was it's so that that kind of thing uh, is very up their alley as well because they can kind of do whatever they want at this point. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's that's the dream. Like they're really? they're doing the dream, and I hope that I hope it still feels like that for them. That's such a bummer that. Even if they're self-aware enough about it, that it can be imposing in that kind of a way where it can yeah. detract from the joy that they obviously get from making the game and from mm-hmm. being friends with each other and getting to work on something mm-hmm. that's so incredible and that's such a passion project that mm-hmm. it just kind of became something else. Yeah, that's the biggest aspect of it, is that like none of them expected this to happen, and they still really can't even like get their brains around why it is as big as it is now. Although, I guess they also have somewhat of the luxury of 
because they're the people behind something. Right. It's a very different kind of fame, I right. would imagine. I have it, no idea. Yeah, I mean, the thing is... Like, they can walk down the street. Right. I was going to say, this, like, this conference setting is as, like, inundated as they get. Yeah. You know? But people do recognize them by, like, people who are huge fans of the game who always come to PAX know what they look like. Yeah. You know what I mean? But other than that... You can, like you said, you can walk down the street. Well, yeah. I was talking to one of the guys who, like, said he was, like, he doesn't tell people what he does for a living because he's, like... Does he have, like, a go-to fake thing? Uh, one of them literally is going to school f- to get a doctorate, so he just, like, tells people he's going to school and doesn't mention it at all. Yeah. But the other guy said that he, uh, uh, he didn't say game developer... He said something even more vague than that. Like, it was just super, super vague. And he was like, and that just feels so weird. And then the guy who's going to school is like, just lie. <laughs> just, like, make something up. Uh, but, yeah. I feel like I would want to do what, like, celebrities do when they go to a hotel and give a fake name. Yeah. Or just come up with a, a job that I know just enough about that I could fake my Passable, name. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, but it's definitely an interesting thing to, like look in on uh for for a few days (laughs) oh man yeah that's such an unbelievable experience to get to have and yeah yeah, just to get to because that's such a unique way to be a part of that too the way that you guys were Mm -hmm. oh that's so cool they're good dudes they're really really good people and uh yeah we like we like working with them a lot and it seems to be mutual so yeah oh man (laughs) uh Do you feel like there is an inception of your love for happiness? Uh, (laughs) I mean, I don't know that there, like, happiness, I feel like is just something that everyone, not everyone, because everyone universally, you can never really say. Right. But pretty much everyone wants to be happy. Right. Or is into being happy. I don't know necessarily when my interest in like wanting to find unique weird ways to make other people happy started that mm-hmm. was probably in college mm-hmm. uh but <laughs> yeah i mean that's so funny it's just so apparent in your like personality and the kinds of projects that you've taken on in the past few years like as soon as you started talking about like specific the specific little weird ways i was like oh of course like this is a thing that ben's really into <laughs> <laughs> even if you're uh, even if it feels weird yeah to, like, it feels define. so weird to talk about something like this because like it to say that you're into or you're passionate about happiness like uh, yeah everyone the pursuit of happiness Granted, that's it kind of meant property, but, like, the pursuit of happiness is in, like, founding documents right. of this nation. Right. Like... Along with life and liberty. Yeah, life and liberty. <laughs> <laughs> like, those are big, big concepts. <laughs> like, big revolutionary concepts. Uh, um, and, yeah, and I also... I mean, this is very tangential, but I like how it's the pursuit of happiness as opposed uh, to the right to happiness. It's yeah. the pursuit thereof. Uh, and in a lot of ways, in this country, that goes hand in hand with uh, with the economy and with mm-hmm. fiscal happiness, like money sure. buying happiness. Sure. And the pursuit of happiness uh, in that time, again, I, I learned this in history class. I don't know if this was just like what the teacher thought. Huh. This was legit, but like that basically was representing property. 
Because, like, if you own property, then you... Interesting. Because initially, the only people that could vote were uh, white male landowning... Property owners, uh, yeah. Like, you know, Protestant whatevers. (laughs) Wasps who had houses. Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) but, the yeah, so I guess even the idea of determining what is happiness... um, from an analytical perspective, I would imagine goes back a long way. I mean, mm-hmm. I would think that that's one of the things that people have talked about forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in certain ways, like in the ways that I often find myself thinking about it, I realize it's a really luxury, luxurious position in which to be because I look at it within the constructs of society and within the idea of like that. I Before I knew that term synthetic happiness, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing I've always been interested in because... Synthetic happiness, at least the way that I understand it or I interpret it to be, is that you can pretty much, you can manufacture the happiness or you can create happiness even if it isn't necessarily quote-unquote there Mm -hmm. uh, to start with. And if you can make these moments that either allow you to be happy or that can allow other people to be happy in unexpected ways, then that almost blurs the line between synthetic happiness and the typical you know, mainstream idea of happiness. So if you can create those moments in an unexpected way in the world, then it might brighten people's day in a way that feels very authentic. Um, that's so interesting. But you've, like, helped create that. But that's all within the construct of whatever society that you happen to be in or whatever community you happen to be in. Uh-huh. And so, like, there's a really big difference between trying to spread happiness on a college campus right. versus trying to spread happiness... Um, in a foreign country that you don't necessarily understand because no, you have to understand the culture and, and the customs and all of that. So I I just like trying to think of ways that I can do it in some kind of scale in, a, in an area or in a place where I feel like I can actually have an impact. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I feel like that goes pretty hand in hand in, you know, something we already mentioned, the transit project. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little? Sure. Um, <laughs> so I had an idea a while ago about that I thought it would be really fun to buy ad space on the CTA, which is the you know public transit. Chicago public transit. Yeah, yeah. public transit in, in Chicago on the L, which are the subway trains, um, to just put up like ridiculous things instead of ads just to buy ad space and then put up whatever I wanted. Yeah. And then I didn't do anything about it because I thought it was uh, kind of insane and, and impossible. <laughs> Definitely mostly just fiscally impossible. For right. Me. Uh, and then I decided uh, one day, a couple months ago, I just emailed one of the people from Titan, which is the advertising agency that, uh, works on behalf of the CTA to fill their ad space and okay. their ad space. And I just emailed That's them. just like something you found online. Yeah, I just I'd done a bunch of research and I had all these web pages bookmarked and then uh, I just decided one day I'm gonna email one somebody. You have nothing to yeah, lose. Yeah, exactly. And so I sent out an email and at first I said I was from uh, I I'm a producer and I produce shows in Chicago, which is true. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
but not necessarily pertinent to the conversation. And so that I was looking, I was interested in possibly buying ad space for some stuff I was doing. Oh. Uh, and then once I had a foot in the door and he got back to me and we exchanged a couple of emails, I said, I actually was having a really interesting, uh, uh, conversation and realized maybe what if we try doing like an actual ad project, uh, with the ads and in the ad space, which was something I just made up. Um, that's so funny he was like well you can pretty much do whatever you want with the creative and with the copy as long as it meets the cta guidelines as long as the cta approves it which basically means you can't be vulgar you can't be offensive uh unlike say ad space on the mta which is the new york public transit system Uh uh-huh it is not protected open space you cannot put anything you want uh on the cta under the protection of the first amendment it is a kind of a closed space so they can decide as long as uh it fits their sort of code of conduct then you should be able to get it on and so i came up with so how would the mta be different the mta you can put up pretty much anything you want as long as it falls under first amendment freedom so as long as it doesn't incite people to violence which is basically the barrier on first amendment free speech Mm -hmm. uh you can say pretty much whatever you want uh, because it's a governmental space. And so the CTA is also a governmental space, but the way that their ads work, there's some kind of strange classification of it that they do in Chicago that they don't do in New York. So whereas, say, there are controversies over people that put up, like, anti-Muslim ads or pro-life or pro-choice ads or... Uh, pro-war or right. you know pro-atheism or yeah. all of these Anything controversial like areas political or religious uh, yeah or that you like can that. end up seeing on uh, trains or on buses in new york city uh you will not see that nor will you see any kind of political uh ads gotcha okay CTA trains. okay 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 and so it's pretty much like i so i i kind decide, of free reign <laughs> yes but the guy who i talked to is basically saying you can do that you know the copy's up to you mm-hmm. as long as it meets the guidelines and as long as the CTA approves it because they have final say. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I studied the guidelines and I came up with a couple of ideas. I came up with three of them and I launched a Kickstarter, which I had used before for another project. And mm-hmm. Which we'll bookmark <laughs> and come back to because I want you to talk about that okay. too. Uh, <laughs> As we sit next to a child-sized basketball hoop. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, so I put it up on Kickstarter and then just sent out one tweet that basically wasn't, like, targeted at anyone. That just said, like, hey, Chicago, check out this thing. And within about a day, someone must have put it on Reddit. And then mm. it was on the front page of Chicago Reddit, and then some blogger wrote about it, and then a dude from the Red Eye tweeted at me, uh, telling me to get in touch with him. That's and then awesome. I did, and then it just kind of spiraled out of control. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of coverage. So that was really, really, really unexpected, uh, and luckily really cool. I was extremely worried the night before the article came out that I was going to wake up the next day and have thousands of people on the internet who hated me who right. I've never met before right um and then luckily the reaction generally seemed to be really positive and uh-huh. really nice which was really really cool and encouraging but anyway yeah so the the idea of the project uh in some is i want to buy ad space on 100 cta train cars uh and then put up ridiculous uh fake 
not real ads. <laughs> uh, they're essentially jokes uh, in 100 CTA train cars mm -hmm. so that it can make people's lives a little more fun and make commutes a little better because commutes are often awful. Right. Uh, and Generate you know, some uh, synthetic, quote-unquote, happiness. happiness. Yeah. Although I feel like the synthetic happiness is almost what I'm on the creation side. Uh -huh. uh, what, and then in people's lives, that registers as authentic because that's just something they come across. Yeah. Uh, and it's absurdity, certainly. But, yeah, that, I mean, if you just came across something in your day that made you happy, I think that still counts as, like, happiness. Yeah, I think yeah, the idea absolutely. of synthetic happiness there, uh, at least the way I understood it, and again, I'm not, like, a scientific expert by any stretch uh -huh. on this, is just how, like, the difference between I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to get this promotion because that's going to make me happy versus uh, not getting the promotion and then going, well, you know what? Uh, if I got that promotion, I've had so much more work and I'd have been away Take from the time. office yeah. more and I wouldn't have get, gotten to see my family. And gotcha. then like getting yourself to a place where you're happy. In uh, spite of your situation. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. That makes sense. That makes uh, a lot of so, sense. But yeah. Especially so I, with, you gave the good Beals example. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, uh, oh, Pete Best. <laughs> I oh, guess man. he wasn't the Pete Best after all. Oh. <laughs> they were really looking for a star. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Ringo, Ringo is a super underrated drummer. Um, but that's, uh, that's some, a totally he's different He's no area. Neil Peart. Oh, <laughs> I love the Beatles, too. That I could have easily too. talked about I the do Beatles. Too. That's so funny because uh, someone recently asked if anyone had done the Beatles before, and I uh, told them they had it, so it's tentatively claimed. But So if you had wanted to talk about the Beatles, it might have gotten dicey. Oof. I'd have been like, uh... <laughs> it had never occurred to me until just now, but I could have... I love the Beatles. Well, we all, I don't want to... I don't want to poach this topic. Um, so I'm sorry, future podcast guest. Uh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll be um, fine. Yeah. Uh, that's really yeah. cool. I love. Uh, I love that project. Uh, oh, I hate thanks. that it didn't get fu funded. Yeah, it. Uh, it didn't get funded. I. <laughs> uh, the initial attempt at it did not get funded. I think kind of due to a combination of a lot of things due to. Uh, people going, oh, that's so cool that it was in the press. Obviously, it got funded. And right. Not looking at it. Uh, and then also, I think a lot of people just forgot to back it, or they just were like, this is really cool. I hope it happens. But didn't necessarily feel compelled enough to want to give like five bucks. Right. For just making it happen, which I think is very reasonable. Right. Uh, because. At any time, but especially right now where there's so many more pressing issues, which there are always more pressing, pressing issues, uh, that demand money if you only have so much money that you can give to a cause. Yeah. Um, yeah, like if someone was choosing between giving money to ALS research yeah, I figured or that was giving money be to like my stupid thing, give it to give ALS, it to ALS, ALS. Research. My God. Yeah, right. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, um, your but. first, uh, your first project was called the dunk contest of the century, of century the of the world. <laughs> I wanted that to say history of the world, but I knew yeah. that wasn't right. <laughs> century of the Part world. One. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, that was the first Kickstarter I did. Um, 
which was another really stupid But that did you just do that up to it was like Indiegogo or something like that? That was on Kickstarter. It was Kickstarter? Yeah. Oh, so once you met the goal, that was when you were like, even if you give like if you want to give our money you can and then I could try to get a bigger yeah, exactly. basketball that player. Point, That's right. I had met the In goal. In my head I was thinking like, well, I know that part of it was like depending on how much money you got was yeah. the kind of player you would be able to book. Yeah, exactly. That, it was, I set the the limit. God, this must be so boring talking about Kickstarter. No, it's um, cool. I set the, the minimum I don't think very limit. many people could say that they've successfully completed a Kickstarter. I don't know. Or but. even very <laughs> many who have not unsuccessfully <laughs> done a Kickstarter and are taking another shot at it. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's that might be true. <laughs> um... But yeah, that I set the minimum money level to what I knew it would take to get someone according to this website I had found, which mm-hmm. helps you book celebrities and book athletes for various functions. And so uh, I once I hit that goal, I was like, oh, if I raise more money, I can go after someone else. Right. And then it turned out that money was very helpful because it allowed me to do things like buy the hoop and yeah. book the venue. Right. And... Uh, buy props for the show and so i broke even almost to the dollar wow uh, that's great on that show but yeah and provided many people with a lot of (laughs) happiness i hope so um (laughs) it was really silly uh yeah the whole idea of the show was that i wanted i'm i'm five foot five i'm not a tall (laughs) human but i love to play basketball and so the idea of the of the thing was I wanted to challenge a professional basketball player either from the WNBA or the NBA to a slam dunk contest on a Fisher Price children's basketball hoop and then to do it live in front of an audience. Because <laughs> um, I thought that would be really fun and insane. Uh, which I think it was. And then it happened, which was even more insane. Uh, I, I raised that money and then I got in touch with Cheryl Swoops, who's like the greatest women's basketball player of all time yeah. and who I've rooted for since I was a kid. Cause I grew up a big women's basketball fan. I that grew up in is Connecticut. awesome. And so women's basketball is really big. In oh yeah. UConn. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So, What's the name? Wasn't there, uh, a woman who was at UConn like last season may have been her senior year, maybe the year before that, who just like one of the best college best women's basketball players. I think you might be talking about Maya Moore. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she gra- she uh, graduated a couple years ago. Okay. But yeah, there are so many. I don't follow basketball <laughs> in the least, and even I heard about her. Yeah, she oh, she's incredible. There's so many great, great UConn players. It's just a testament to that, like, that being a totally justified, like, uh, thing to be able to, yeah, I grew up a really big um, women's basketball fan because I'm from Connecticut. And it was, that was it. If you're from Connecticut or I guess Tennessee, you probably are in the women's basketball. Right. That's so funny. I just wouldn't have even thought about it like that until you specifically, I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) of course. Even though, you know, you didn't go to UConn. It hit me when I went to college and when I would watch, like, the UConn-Tennessee game, which at that point still happened on occasion Uh uh, until Pat Summit ended the series. Oh. Uh, But that's another subject. (laughs) Um, But, 
Yeah, so I I realized I would watch this and my friends would be like, "What are you? Why are you watching what? this?" And I have to like convince friends to give it a shot uh-huh. to at least see how skilled the top players were uh-huh. because they're really good. Yeah, I mean, I grew up a huge women's soccer fan, yeah. and what, women's soccer gameplay is very very different from men's oh, soccer yeah. gameplay, uh, and I think more like. I mean, I may be a little biased, but I think more, like, finesse is involved uh, than in men's soccer. It's just, like, the the speed of the game is different and oh, in, sure. in a different, like, interesting way. But Absolutely. I would think that it would be similar for basketball. Yeah. Oh, it's totally. Yeah, it's... They're definitely different in terms of the way the games operate. And they can be a little more sloppy mm-hmm. uh, at the college level. On the pro sure. level, it's really good. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly... Watching people who are great at something do the thing that they're great at is always amazing. And yeah. So watching, like, uh, watching a UConn women's basketball game is just so great. It's, they're awesome. so good. And whether they're beating someone by 40 because they're that much better, right. and the team they're beating is, like, the 20th-ranked team in the country, and they're right. stomping them. Right. Or if it's, like, number one versus number two, and you're watching two teams that are really good, uh-huh. you can really, really appreciate it, and it's phenomenal. Um, I love that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm staring right now at the Cheryl Swoops bobblehead slash, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Uh, cooler that she gave me at the contest. But yeah, That's I, awesome. I, I emailed her about it as like a shot in the dark because she is now the head women's basketball coach at Loyola on the right. north side. Right, that's right. I, I knew that she was somehow associated with basketball going on in Chicago, but I forgot how. Yeah, and so I sent her an email saying like, this is what I want to do, and I realize it sounds crazy, but I think it would be a lot of fun. I'm really passionate about it. And it could be a great way to get the word out about the program. And I am a big women's basketball fan. I'd love to help. That's so cool. You know, How can she say no? Yeah. And she was really into the idea and got back to me really enthusiastically. That's all. And great. then uh, the director of women's basketball ops stepped in and was a bit more skeptical. I think very reasonable. <laughs> trying to figure out if, like, am I trying to mess with them? Is this a joke on oh, them? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like, because I'm, I'm a comedy person, and, right. I and they might think, like, oh, is he mocking us? And that's the last you know thing what? I wanted to do. I really... The joke of this is on me. The joke was never... But, like, honestly, <laughs> good on them for, for real for doing that. Because I literally was watching Nathan for you before this. Oh, yeah. And, like, what a... Like, a great example of... Like, Nathan Fielder is hilarious and very, very good at what he does. Oh, yeah. But he is duping people huh. like he is he is fucking taking people for all they're worth in in most of those instances he's so good he's so, <laughs> so good that's so amazing so good oh, he's so, so smart and he's not necessarily like it, i don't the the thing i think that helps him get away with it is that he it doesn't ever seem like he's doing things out of malice he's so oh yeah i don't it's think he all is. just like he genuinely wants to just create these ridiculous situations and he does and the best episodes of that show to me are when life kind of takes a crazy turn there's a yeah. crazy coincidence yeah uh, well that's like the um the ghost realtor yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> what are the odds of that happening right right it, it I, was i listened oh. to a, an interview with him um with julie klausner and uh-huh. she straight up asked him like did you guys know anything about the fact that this realtor actually like believed in ghosts and had this like experience quote unquote with ghosts and he was like no 
No, we found that out when you saw it on film. Like everything <laughs> about the show is real in the sense that like, I, yeah, we had no idea that she'd had that experience. And so she was like, you know, how do you guys handle that? And they had literally, so they go in thinking they'll have some kind of idea for, we're talking about Nathan for you. Yeah. Uh, at, on, it's a show on Comedy Central just for the sake of people so who are unfamiliar. It's but so they try to go in with an idea of what they want to happen. But like, like you said, like the, when life happens and something unfolds, it was totally unexpected. They kind of have to regroup and like reform the idea of what they want the episode to be so that they absolutely yeah. had to do that with the ghost oh, realtor. yeah and in season one when they do the rebate offer for oh. the gas station oh i don't think i've seen oh, that oh my one. gosh it's maybe my favorite thing from season one it's worth checking out i, I want to watch all i've only i've seen maybe like <coughs> seven or eight episodes yeah. over the course of the both i won't spoil it but basically they offer gas at like an obscenely cheap rate uh-huh. uh and then when people pay they find out like you can only get the gas at that price if you uh if you get the rebate and the rebate is at like the top of a mountain <laughs> And, oh my god! And I so like watch you should you should watch yeah, it. It's yeah. so good. I won't yeah. say anything more, but it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. That's like that ends up happening in this this episode. A similar um a similar bit to uh when they did like by by uh, oh if your pizza takes longer than yeah. like uh, thirty I can't remember the time they said on it like five minutes or something like that then you get a free pizza but the free pizza was just like yeah. an inch large <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, gosh. yeah so so another but yeah so like I only bring that up because like when you see guys like that and guys like you know Sasha Baron Cohen like people who are using comedy <laughs> not always to mock the people that are subjects of it, but definitely it's not. Like it's prank. Right. Kind of yeah. Process. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos for them for being skeptical, but I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely understand and respect them for mm-hmm. being skeptical and for trying to vet the whole thing. And mm-hmm. I, I let sent them other things I'd done before, and I talked to them about it, uh, and I just tried to convey how enthusiastic I was and how it really and genuinely never was, and it I I never wanted it to be, and I'm glad it didn't come across as like it was never meant to be a joke at someone's expense. It yeah. was just this is crazy. Like, it, like this, you said, if it's a joke at anyone's expense, <laughs> it's yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's a joke at anyone's expense, it's going to be at my expense. Uh, because I'm going to lose to a professional athlete right. at an, a pseudo-sporting event. Right. But, like, I, there's no way in the real world I should be able to do a dunk contest against yeah. a world-class professional athlete. Right. Definitely not on a children's basketball hoop because I'm not tall enough to dunk on a real hoop. <laughs> and the fact that, like, that can happen just makes me so happy yeah. And then the show itself was awesome because Cheryl Swoops is amazing. That's so and she's great. she's just the best. That's and wonderful. Yeah, so I, yeah, I love stuff like that. And so I love doing things like that, but for the most part, I, I, that was the first time I'd really tried to do it in a theatrical way. Like, mm-hmm. I do, I love comedy, and I think the main reason why I love comedy is because of how it translates mm-hmm. like that. I love doing it because I love 
the idea of making people laugh. And the, I love the idea of making people laugh. I'd love to know what that's like someday. But <laughs> I, I, Shut I, up. I love, I love that, and I love that feeling of of spreading that momentary, if only momentary, happiness to people. Right. Uh, Do you feel like you have an inception of when you like fell in love with comedy? Oh gosh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've. You I'd said like, you said you thought you maybe kind of fell in love with that like idea of uh, like uh, seeing what happiness was while you're in college, yeah. and never really like expounded on that. So I'd love to hear oh, about that. Oh, well, that was totally different because I didn't try any comedy stuff till after college. Okay, and that was even kind of an accident. Uh, inception but, of love for comedy uh, first. All right, comedy. Uh, I mean, I loved watching comedy growing sure. up. Uh, I loved like listening to stand up and watching SNL and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I just took an improv class like six or eight months after graduating college mm-hmm. because I had heard it helped writing. Oh, and interesting! I've written for most of my life. Yeah, and so I was like, I'm in Chicago, and it's supposed to be a great You're improv a scene. I might as well try. Major? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and so I just took a class and then instantly loved it and it definitely helped my writing. Where'd you take your first class? Uh, I took my first class at Second City. Anthony LeBlanc was my first teacher. Oh, he's so great. He's incredible. He's the best. He's such such a nice guy. Oh, he's so great. And he's so funny. Oh, he's he's just the best. He's just the best. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really like him so much. And then, yeah, and then instantly also fell in love with doing improv and that kind of sucked me in. And then within a year, I had... Uh, put up a sketch show at Donnie Skybox, and then That's I just awesome. kind of kept doing it because I always bite off a little more than I can chew. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which I have always respected about oh, you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So that was the comedy inception. Uh-huh. The happiness thing just came from uh, thinking a lot about uh, like that classic college. Uh, like super heady kind of bullshit. Uh-huh. I'm just thinking about how much easier it is to tear something down than to build something up, and mm-hmm. how it's, it's so easy for people to just destroy things and to, or to make things worse, and how one person can kind of ruin a situation or can make life really difficult for a lot of people in small and big ways. That's so true. And how it seems like it takes a lot of effort oftentimes to really create the the positive things or the great things or the fun things. And so I tried thinking about ways that, like, how would it be possible to, to have something, to do something that could make life a little better or just, like, a little happier, just in incremental kind of temporary, you know, random moments, random act of kindness kind of ways. Mm-hmm. And to do that with as few resources as possible because I was in college and I didn't have any money. Right. Uh, and also just as like an exercise in thought. Yeah. Of, like, you know, if people can just destroy by just being themselves, yeah. there has to be a counterbalance to that. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I started this thing called Happiness Club oh. uh, in college uh, at Northwestern. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, and the first event that uh, I did, I got a bunch of my friends together who were like-minded, uh, optimistic kind of people, and uh-huh. we uh, did an event the night before finals week outside the Northwestern Library, 
where we gave out free hugs and hot chocolate. Uh, so we gave out free hot chocolate to people coming to and from the library and people walking through campus and just giving people hugs and like trying to create like a nice little fun thing and a fun moment for people That's as they were awesome. going about. And then from there over the next like two and a half years, I think I started at sophomore year. And then for like the next two and a half years, I just, you know, I put up a Facebook page and I started you know, popping up around campus, and I would get a booth at, like, the, you know, freshman come meet the clubs thing. Sure. And got more and more people involved, started doing more and more events. I did a thing where I uh, I bought a bunch of chalk at CVS and then got a bunch of my friends together at midnight, and then we just wrote stuff and, like, positive things in chalk yeah. all over campus. Like affirmations and affirmations, stuff. And just, like, nice, silly things and, like, hopscotch uh, boards and and different... Bunnies and puppies. Yeah, like, like little ridiculous things all over campus in the dead of night. And then up by the big engineering building, we kind of, like, ended it. And then just for, like, Love Happiness Club because we were, at that point, kind of underground. Yeah. Uh, And so, like, the next day, it was so cool walking around campus and seeing people... Like, looking at it and talking about it and Aww. just being into it and no one really knowing where it came from. Yeah. And that was awesome. It was so that great is awesome. and so much fun. I have chills. That's such Aww. a sweet story. Oh, that's, that's really I, 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 That's definitely <coughs> so pertinent and awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, that kind of thing. And then my, my personal favorite thing that we did uh, at the heart of the Northwestern campus is something called The Rock, which is uh-huh. a rock that people paint on. The, uh-huh. Like, promote things or that yeah. advertise their show. Or we just had one like, at uh, our high school. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. There's like the fence at some other school and they're like, oh, they're all kinds of things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right outside the rock at like midnight or 1 a.m., I got a bunch of my friends together. This took a little planning and uh, we constructed and filled a sandbox uh, in the middle of campus, got sand from the Evanston Beach Huh. Uh, brought it back in a garbage can, filled the thing, put sand toys in it, and then left a note on the tree right next to the rock where he wrote, uh, like, Dear University, don't worry, we'll take this down tomorrow. Thank you, Love Happiness Club. Uh, and then just left it there That's so for great. people to play in or to use for a day. That's so And then funny. the next night at like 1 a.m., came back with a couple friends, took it down, That's and that was it. That's so funny. <laughs> I uh, love that. So, yeah, it was just like the whole idea that we gave out on Valentine's Day, we gave out uh, candy and wrote like little post note compliments on it and gave it away on campus. Uh, we, what yeah, like. all kinds of stuff like that. And so uh, by the time I graduated, there were, it was like a legit thing. There were a bunch of people involved. Yeah. And uh, I passed it down to uh, a person who was at the end of his freshman year, a rising sophomore. Oh, that's great. Uh, and he continued to. Uh, he continued to help build it, and uh, they applied uh, and were like, became like an officially recognized student group. Sure, yeah. Uh, uh, finishing up a process I had started at the end of my senior year, which was fantastic, and yeah. they became kind of like a, a little sensation. It was in... Like, the Huffington Post made a list of the 20 craziest college clubs in That's the country, so and that was funny. on there. No uh, way! The, it was in USA Today. It's been featured in, like, educational journals. Uh, it was in the Red Eye once or twice. 
Like it's become That's this so thing. Wonderful. It's like this this presence at Northwestern now, which is just so incredible. And I'm I'm now thinking about maybe seeing how I can like talk to the current leadership and go talk to them because I always tried to sort of keep away when I left because I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, of course not. Right. Coming back and and doing this weird stuff. Right. Yeah, the fact that it's there and that like they talk about it on the university tour and and it's like this thing now makes me so happy that it's it's there and Uh I'm so excited that it uh that it is what it is and that it still exists and that people still seem to be into the idea and have embraced it and they do almost all of the the stuff that i uh that i did when i was there is still stuff that they do the uh when i wrote the initial constitution for it i wrote like the one event that needs to happen no matter what is the free hugs or free lemonade and hot chocolate every quarter before before Uh, exams yep so they still do that that's still like the like the trademark thing and they that's still do chalk stuff they still do the uh canyon compliments every valentine's day they now have something called happiness week toward the end of the year where they have like days where they go out and fly kites that's Uh, great i think they brought puppies to campus one year uh which that's is so, amazing. That's so great. And so, yeah, like, I, I love stuff like that. So that was my first kind of entry into it. And then when I went into the, the real world, it became kind of tough to find how to do something quite Yeah, like that. I, I mean, that goes back so much to when you were talking about uh, finding ways to make people happy on college campuses versus yeah, exactly. foreign countries. Exactly. It is. It's... it's Things just aren't as accessible in the real world as they are in, yeah. in college. And campus. because the whole idea of happiness is a pretty universal, uh, universal emotion, mm-hmm. but it isn't a universal way. There's not a universal way of getting to it necessarily, with mm-hmm. the possible exception of love. Uh, but that's a whole other uh, can of worms mm-hmm. to open up. And uh, you're talking about different kinds of love. Yeah, exactly. And the way exactly. people experience it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And so. and it even go, can go back to like you know find it fee- people tying happiness to financial security. Yeah, exactly. And things like that. So like the sense of play uh, definitely I think goes hand in hand with happiness, and that's mm-hmm. a pretty universal thing. That's uh, like a biologically universal thing across multiple species mm-hmm. across all people. Um, and that's another idea I'm really into. I love, uh, like the idea of play and of like that inner child whole thing. Like Uh so much of what I like to do, uh, is a blend of, I love, uh, absurdity and absurdism Mm -hmm. and I love the idea of play and Mm -hmm. I love the idea of, of inserting that into the world more often because it seems to be one of those things that very unfortunately and for no necessarily real biological reason but definitely for societal and cultural reasons is lost after childhood yeah and so i'm that's i think one of the big reasons why i love improv is because improv is all about getting in touch with your imagination and with play yeah and of doing it with other people yeah 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 so comedy kind of became my outlet for a while and Uh then i have recently been thinking a lot about how I want to do more bigger pictures of the big picture stuff and of the thing that I really, really love. And so trying to find more ways to do it. And I've been lucky enough that people have seemed to be pretty supportive, which is really, really 
wonderful and really nice and unexpected and and uh, you, you can probably you can probably tell right now I'm very uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like it's really yeah. it's really really great. And so yeah, that's I just want to do as much of that as possible. That's uh, awesome, man. That's such an admirable <laughs> thing. And and I mean, obvious like well, I, I mean, guess obviously I don't know if it's admirable. Like admirable, <laughs> there are there are people doing real work. But still, uh, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I think we can get really, really downtrodden and really, like, inward as, as humans, as a, like, you know, uh, society. And, yeah. yeah, there are, you know, some terrible things. <laughs> There's a lot of shitty things happening in the world. Yeah. And there are a lot of bigger problems than just individuals you know, sadness, but at the same time, you know, there's no telling what improving just little small things yeah, does exactly. to the bigger picture. Yeah, that's, that's my main thought on it, and that's my hope, certainly, if not my, like, goal with it is, yeah. like, if you can make people's lives a little bit better in one way or another, hopefully that makes their day a little bit better, and then the people who are impacted by their day a little bit better, and maybe the people who find a little bit of happiness in it are the ones that are actually doing admirable yeah. things. And uh, in turn put great things into yeah. the world. And so, yeah, that's how I justify it. Yeah. No, uh, I, th- I don't why, think there's anything. Yeah. I don't think that's like a scoff thing to scoff at at all. But yeah, I mean, I really, I really like this stuff and I love trying to make people's lives a little bit happier and a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, and that brings me an incredible amount of happiness on just, like, a selfish level. Right. Uh, seeing other people uh, be happier. And so, yeah, that, that, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I mean, if if there are people in this, you know, thing we call the Chicago comedy <laughs> community who can't relate to that, I, I don't know, like... <laughs> then I see things that we're doing very differently from the, you know what I mean? I, I'm in it also to like bring joy to other people's lives. And I feel yeah. like you are going about that in really unique, really cool ways. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm trying, but like, yeah, there are so like when you watch improv, I love this community because people try so many different things and people, do so many different things and there's mm-hmm. so many talented funny people out there mm-hmm. who are doing things that I could never do and oh, yeah. so much funnier Jesus. than I am and I yeah. love it because it's amazing to get to watch them and to feel like wow getting to see that person perform made my day or my night so much better yeah and I can feel how much happier I am I can feel how much more motivated I am mm-hmm. I can feel how much more energized mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. and so Trying to figure out how to do that on a different scale or in a different way uh, is something that I'm super fascinated in. That's and awesome. So I like trying to yeah to do that kind of thing. Not to like re <clears throat> retread something we already talked about, but man, this this past weekend doing that show in Seattle. Oh yeah. For for audiences who like don't see live comedy and and we're loving it so much, and I was just like, man. I, 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 there's so much going on in Chicago that I wish had a wider audience because people would fucking eat it up. Like it, it would be doing such like 
having such great strides for like large groups of people yeah. appreciating this, you know, comedic endeavor that all of us are going on. But yeah. it, it was so, it was refreshing and like such a huge reminder that, uh, <laughs> it, it, whether, you know, regardless of what audiences look like in Chicago within this community, there are people that like do or I guess like would appreciate, you know, a lot of the things going on here that just aren't accessible in different ways. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, but and like with Nerdalogs, that's a perfect example and it's so great that you guys are getting those sort of opportunities because you have such a unique style and you guys tap into something that's so present in the culture and that's really become its own very strong subculture that's yeah. permeated the mainstream even in the last totally. several years. Absolutely. And there's such a home for it. And even in Chicago, there was a real void before Nerdalogs came along oh. for that kind of comedy. And then to see that become a mainstay in the Chicago comedy scene. But also, I can only imagine for the folks in Seattle who went to it, not only not necessarily being a, a comedy-savvy audience uh, in a typical way mm -hmm. but they probably didn't expect to see a comedy show at least yeah. some of them yeah and so for You're them not to wrong. get to go uh and see that show and and hopefully i would imagine really enjoy it yeah that might open them up to whole other areas and, and yeah man i hope so yeah i hope so and I, I, and that's really flattering of you to say that i mean i didn't i haven't always been a member of the group but i do think that uh that they or you know, and now we are are doing something relatively unique in that sense for sure. Um, especially like seeing the that like there's definitely a type that go to those kind of conferences and uh and seem like being able to bring some like joy to, you know, uh, as a broad statement, a bunch of like nerds <laughs> who may not like who may have, uh, you know, shitty, like, down-on-their-selves uh, outlooks and lives. Uh, not, not you know, <laughs> conferences like that, especially where nerds are concerned, <laughs> they just, like, live for that. Because it's like, yeah. finally, all these people get it, you know? And being able to be one more step, one more, like, part of... Uh, people seeing it and being like, oh, these people get it too. And they're funny and, and, uh, and entertaining. Um, so I'm not a total like outcast is, yeah, is a cool uh, thing to be able to it's do. It's really cool to, yeah, that's such a cool way of getting to be a part of that. And yeah. then, oh gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. And then, then there's also the part of me, which is now thinking just because of what we were talking about before with the Cards Against Humanities guys, uh, because now nerd culture, or at least elements of nerd culture, are becoming more a part of mainstream culture, oh, yeah, will absolutely. there be a tipping point where I, I really, I'm, I mean, on the one hand, it's so incredible that people who feel like outcasts can now feel like there are people that get it. Yeah. Are there going to also be nerds who 
look at this transformation and are like, why are you trying to take our subculture from yes. us? This is ours. Absolutely. That, I, that's what happens to every subculture yes. that enters the mainstream. There is already a big permeation of that. I actually wrote a song for the Nerdalogs about that, that we haven't performed yet, but that hopefully, hopefully we will at some point, about like how I don't think that being a nerd should be defined by like, what you like, but how you like it. Absolutely. So, like... That's, it, that's very Chris Hardwick. It, <laughs> it is. Who's it a is. guy who I'm sure a lot of nerds don't like, even though he's definitely a nerd. I, to- I agree with you, and I've had conversations <laughs> with other people who may or may not, like, consider themselves nerdy, who, like, don't think he's a nerd, and I'm like, no, dudes. Like, I know... I, I have my things that I like and don't <laughs> like about Chris Hardwick, but he's definitely a nerd. Um, but yeah, but like very much the, it's like you, like the, uh, you know, we had love for these things first, the possession of being a subculture, like you said, and like, um, the, like how Marvel, for instance, is something that's becoming very, very mainstream things like, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is a like weird one that, I'm sure people were into before it was a hugely popular yeah. television series. And even things specifically like um, Ninja Turtles and Transformers with like movies that a lot of nerds probably don't like yeah. that are things that they've loved for so long and comics and stuff like that. They love all this original Absolutely. material that it's like angry. It's easy to get angry about like oh, yeah. how those properties are treated. Yeah. And it's just I like, always... I always think about the first thing that always pops into my mind, and it's, I mean, it is every subculture, but I think about hip-hop, because (laughs) hip-hop completely uh, taken over by corporate interests uh, for branding purposes. Sure. Um, And also, once it became clear that there was a market for it Mm -hmm. musically, but, like, yeah, the whole idea... Of like that lifestyle mm-hmm. is completely co-opted by the mainstream. Sure, uh, sure. And that, I mean, can you, like that was an art form that basically sprung up in the last thirty or forty years. Yeah, and that. I can only imagine being like one of the people at the forefront uh, who didn't then become like the star of movies or network. Uh, television dramas, right? Uh, who what didn't you know take that next step? Who would look at it and go like, what? What the hell happened? Yeah, how this did this thing I helped make? Right, 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 right. I I think that's definitely a good example. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's a little off topic, but it's hard. Yeah. It's it's hard to ever be like. I do think it's related <laughs> because it's hard to ever be satisfied. Like you know it. it we talked about pursuit, the pursuit of happiness, like, and fooling yourself into, you know, thinking that something will be more fulfilling than it yeah. is. I mean, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And the, and that's the other thing, too, is the whole, to me, the idea of being able to get yourself into a place where you're happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I a hundred percent like it's not the same thing as if you're depressed and willing yes. yourself because that's a yes. very 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 different situation and you mm-hmm. can't just will yourself out of that it's mm-hmm. not a matter of being tough that's an actual condition it's yeah. a biological yeah 
like that's it's a illness. that's a whole thing. Yeah, it's an illness, and the, it it's totally different. Yeah, but I'm glad we yeah touched on absolutely. That. Like, so I definitely don't mean to imply anything along those lines. But if it's just like a matter of you're you're kind of down in the dumps about something, or you're just like kind of feeling grouchy, mm-hmm. and I think more I think about it more in the latter. Like you're just kind of in like a grouchy mood. Mm-hmm. It your body might like put up a little bit of a fight. By body, I mean like the, your child that lives within you that like sure. throws a little temper tantrum. Yeah, not like your body chemically. Literal. Like uh, your body, your your head might be like, eh, I'm just gonna linger in this. Yeah. If you like try a little bit to fake it, even you probably want the feeling a little better. Yeah. And you can get yourself to a place. Uh, where you, where you can feel a little bit happier about stuff. Yeah, and it's healthy to that. feel. It's healthy to feel angry sometimes. It's healthy uh-huh. to feel sad sometimes. Uh, you know, it's healthy to be all of those things. It's not. It, you know, it would take away from the <laughs> emotion of being happy if you were just perpetually happy. Yeah, uh, but I I could totally relate yeah. to that. I I feel like I I watch a decent amount of like. I watch and enjoy a decent amount of, like, depressing yeah, art. Absolutely. Like, I love watching really sad movies. Like, really oh, genuinely sure. heart-wrenching movies. Because I feel like it keeps me balanced. <laughs> yeah, I like... I love... I love stuff like that. I listen to a lot of, like, really, like, depressing, like, mopey music. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, Every once in a while, I'll just turn on the Mountain Goats and be like, man, <laughs> life is hard. Uh, I have, I've liked the Mountain Goats for a while. This summer, like, the beginning of this summer, uh, I, oh my gosh, like, this spring and summer, I was all about, like, two or three of the old Mountain Goats albums. Uh-huh. Uh, and by old, I just mean like the cassette tape recorder albums, ones, not, right. not the ones where you had a full band. Right. Uh, but I like. Yeah, All I Hail did West that. Texas is just a fucking so masterpiece. good. It's so, so good. I, I did that this this past winter. I was listening to so much Mount. It was just like so cold and like, I was like, <laughs> man, I get to be sad for a while, and it's going to be incited by the Mountain Goats. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. I get torn, when it's really cold, I get torn between listening to music that I find beautiful and uh-huh. music that I find, like, really depressing. Yeah, like, I totally I'm just as happy you. listening to, like, Michigan, the Sufjan Stevens album. Oh yeah, uh-huh. Which to me is, like, just a gorgeous album. It's beautiful. And then listening to, like, Elliot Smith. Or, <laughs> That's a good um, example, too. Just really yeah. sad, mopey. I swear, I would put drink. on uh, I Will Get Lonely, which I think is like a devastatingly sad song. I would just like, you know, walk around in the cold of Chicago listening to that and just, and now looking back on it, I'm like, you fucking idiot. Like, you're making yourself even more miserable. But something about it was really like beautiful and forced me to feel things yeah. that I don't always feel. There is definitely something deeply satisfying to leaning into those feelings. Uh, uh, I think the issue becomes when you linger in them too long. Yes. This is all very, like, this is just personally. Sure, sure. Like, I, everyone processes things differently. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I would never say that I, you know, that my experience is the same as someone else's, especially in regards uh-huh. to this stuff. But yeah, there are definitely times where it's like, you know what, I'm feeling kind of bummed out, and it's night, I'm just gonna have, like, I'm gonna have a, a sadder night. Yeah. Like, it's gonna be okay. Um, I'll feel this way. Maybe I'll write something mm-hmm. uh, that I'll never do anything with later, but mm-hmm. it'll feel really good to write at the time. <laughs> I'll drink a couple of beers and 
I'll just like be out, like I'll live in it, and then tomorrow is another day, and inevitably you'll wind up waking up feeling a little better. Uh huh. Uh, And then that's that. If you wind up not feeling better, it's probably a more serious thing, and it's worth figuring out why that's the situation. But like, I will say this past summer I tried, or this past (laughs) winter, um. I was trying to watch the most recent season of Mad Men. Yeah. And it was taking, like, a really... I haven't seen... I now haven't seen the one that's aired since then. Um, But I did watch all of the sixth season, I think it was. I've seen, like, one or two of those. Okay. I gotta catch up. It's really (laughs) good. I will say, it's really, really good. But I found it was taking me, like, so much longer than it should have been. And I truly think it's because, like, Mad Men airs in the summer for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It is too sad of a show for the winter. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. It's so, so true, though. Like, and it's, it's the same reason why, like... I, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't start Breaking Bad at the same time as oh. the season, or as the series started, uh, because I didn't have cable for a while, uh-huh. and so when I was catching up, it was like, I could watch one or maybe two, and I yeah. have to take a couple of days, yeah. at least you can't binge watch that show, it's so it gets inside dark you. Yeah. and messed up. Yeah. It just screws with I you. just totally found Mad Men doing <laughs> that to me. And, and, and like, I feel like I kept watching it because of that, like, no, I, like, this is such good drama yeah. and so... And Mad Men is such a soap opera, but for whatever reason, because it's happening to people that do jobs that we've seen before, uh-huh. it feels more real than, like, Breaking Bad. So yeah, yeah. So you... you you watch it and it almost resonates stronger. In yeah, I think so. In ways. I, I mean, you know, at least for the things that you can relate to. Of uh, yeah, I, that show is just so like frighteningly human. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing. I really gotta. I'm uh, I'm finishing up season two of Orange Is the New Black oh, right now, which is great. It's super uh, great. They oh man. Introducing what a great V show. is yes. like the greatest thing. That show could great. possibly done. Uh, I love so. how much I was just talking to some other people over the weekend about how much like the second season really revolves around Red, which is so much yes, fun to watch. Yes, and she's such a badass. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, uh, I'm really. Yeah, the only thing I can't get over is why it looks like Piper has a spray tan the entire season. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, it might be prison food, so I'm not one. To maybe, judge. maybe, but. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm really, I'm really into it. I'm about three quarters of the way through. Ooh, I'm, uh, I'm hoping you got some doozies left. Ooh, I'm really <laughs> excited. I've heard the last episode is like incredible. It's and really like intense. It is I'm intense. So excited it's to get to it. A fucking doozy. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty psyched to check that out. Yeah. There, there are a few <laughs> things that consistently bring me as much like joy and comfort as. Uh, television comedies. It's it's pretty remarkable. I don't know. I guess Orange is the New Black is like a dramedy. Yeah, it's dramedy. For yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. That that's why. Like for a while, I thought I wanted to write comedy for TV, and yeah. that was the reason why. It was like this makes me really happy. Yeah. This is an outlet for joy and for comedy that exists, and it's a job, and so this is what I want to pursue. And that to me became like when I looked back on it, uh, became, like, the difference between, you know, like, uh, in terms of happiness, and I realized, uh, uh, at, at one point, I, like, took a step back and was 
kind of looking at a lot of stuff going on in my life and where uh-huh. I was and what I was happy with and if I liked where I was going. And I kind of realized, like, that isn't at least right now. Mm-hmm. Who knows where I'll be down the road. But sure. at least right now, that's not something I think I really want. I think it's, it, was, I, it was an idea that I liked and I was into the idea of it, but the reality of it uh, wasn't the same as the idea of it. So sure. I was chasing the idea of happiness of yes. it as opposed to chasing something that could actually yeah, make me happy. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. understandable. And so doing things like uh, like the stuff I used to do in the Happiness Club, doing things like the Dunk Contest, doing things like the Chicago Transit Project, doing that kind of work, that is stuff I know I love. It's something that I've know I, known I've loved to do for a long time. And so, like, doing more of that is... And concrete, really... achievable. Absolutely. And there... But it's also segmented in ways that, like, I I can have this project and then do the sure. next project and do the next project. Sure. And there will always be new and different ways to try to figure out that puzzle of how to, to impact people or how to improve people's lives in certain awesome. ways or another. And so that is something I'm trying to figure out how to get to do a lot more of yeah. and see how I can turn that into whatever you can turn that into but yeah. for the time being just do as much of it as possible that's fucking great new ways to do it so are there any yeah. things tinkering around for post uh, transit project uh the transit project's a big focus right now i'm there's a week left of the of the new kickstarter i only uh. did two weeks so i just wanted to like if it happens great if not i'll come back to it sometime down the road sure i have a couple of ideas in the back of my head uh but nothing right on tap for immediately after this because mm-hmm. I feel like I've done a bunch of stuff this year. And yeah, I don't want Jesus, to yeah. Get, I don't want people to get like, ugh, come on. We uh, get it, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't want to do that. And then I, I mean, just like from a purely like time point of view, I've been I've been really busy. I've been doing apes over the summer. Yeah, and I have. A uh, new play going up, The Annoyance, in November that I've been writing, and then I have to direct. Yeah. Uh, and then I start Twisty in October. What's that going to be called? Have, Do you know yet? Uh, the working title is called Children of NASA. I don't think that's going to be what the actual title is. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so like that takes time. Sure. Uh, to do that, so I just a lot of stuff has been going on uh, in other areas of my life yeah. that are. Where I only have so much time to pursue my creative passions, unfortunately. Yeah. Because of work. Ah, I'm trying um, to make money. (laughs) And that's what we all have. Yep. Um, But, yeah, so until the day I figure out how I can do this for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that, like, I kind of just have to figure out how to budget my time. And so probably I won't really get to start trying anything new until the fall or winter just get those projects under your belt yeah exactly shows i guess yeah and but i'm really excited about this annoying show i'm gonna be trying some stuff i think it sounds great i uh yeah i want the show to be like i was talking about like the idea of of celebrating play and the Mm -hmm. idea of play i want the this play to be a celebration of play cool uh and so i'm i'm really hoping uh, it can all come together the way that I hope it does, but yeah. I also know that uh, the show is two months out, and it's probably going to be a very different thing now from uh, what from it, what it is in my head or from what it started as, because that's how it works with stuff. Right, <laughs> right. As uh, for the good things, anyway, I think. Yeah. 
Uh, cool. I know we've talked about this a decent amount, but uh, we'll you know tie a ribbon on it here at the end. Um, how do you feel like your love of happiness and passion for happiness has influenced you creatively and your life in general? <laughs> uh, I would say pretty <laughs> profoundly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like very obviously. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, it's basically become my passion. It's become the thing that I dedicate the lion's share of my free time to. It's the thing that I want more than anything to get to do with all of my time. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's led me to do comedy. It's led me to do these crazy projects and, and events and things that I try to do. It, it's, yeah, it, it definitely has uh, an impact on my outlook creatively in terms of like wanting to do comedy and things, although some of my comedy, uh, especially written, can be very dark. Yeah. Uh, but that to me is like the absurd side popping up or mm -hmm. saying like, look at how ridiculous this world that we live in is and mm -hmm. how, like, what if this were to happen? <laughs> but, yeah, sure, sure. But, um, yeah, I, it's definitely had an impact and I, I feel like, yeah, that's, I don't see that really ending anytime yeah. soon. Doesn't I mean, seem like it. Yeah, like the the fact that like there's a box of crayons right there that I got <laughs> uh, for when I start doing set design for this show. Oh, that's and so funny! For like the, for the Children the, of Nashville yeah. show. So and so for like the first week that I had it, my apartment smelled like crayons, and oh, that made that's me hilarious. so happy. It was like every day I go up and I go to work. Uh, on my computer, and I would smell crayons, and I'd feel like, ah, oh, this is great. This is that a great is, day. That is Everything such smells a, like crayons. Yeah. The smells like crayons. That's so funny. And so it was just the best. That. And so I feel like as long as I'm able to feel that way, then it will definitely keep having an impact on me. And I sure hope that I don't stop feeling that way, because I really like it. <laughs> it doesn't seem <laughs> like there's any signs of slowing. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I, I feel like I should convey, uh, it's tough to illustrate how uncomfortable talking about all this is making me. Uh, I'm like fidgeting and like rubbing my hands together. And yeah. I, I, it's, it's very, it's such a surreal, strange thing to talk about. It is. Because sure. I hate talking about, uh, I hate talking about myself, uh, because I think, uh, it's super obnoxious. Right. Um, but, well, I mean, I've <laughs> asked you to talk that's about true. yourself, that's true. Um, <laughs> and you uh, graciously obliged. But, but not even like that. Like the the idea of talking about happiness in any kind of like weird analytical way, sure. or with any sort of presumed expertise or insight or anything, to me seems so insane and outlandish and ridiculous. Sure, and it's yeah, like it. Because it's so individual in a lot of ways, but mm -hmm. it, it, and then again, it's also universal in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So, like, all of this is just me trying, like, what I what I think seems interesting yeah. for a particular thing. Yeah. And so... And I think you've done a great job. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I do. It's very nice of you to say. Well, it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, any, yeah. any other, uh, I was going to say any other thoughts, uh, any other happy thoughts? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, it's really fun to 
dance in public. Yeah. Because occasionally, this happened to me, and it like will always stick out in my head. Uh, I was like walking back from a show and listening to music on headphones, and I was just like dancing. And uh, and what I like to to call a, a car full of youths pulled up <laughs> next to me, and they could have just like made me feel horrible at myself. Yeah. But they like started like cheering in like an enthusiastic, encouraging uh. way. I think because they saw someone that just didn't give a shit and yeah. was just doing this. Right. And it made me feel so good. So, the two things, yeah. Uh, totally dance all the time wherever you feel like it, if you feel like dancing. And also, like, cheer people on. If you see someone being awesome or that you think is being awesome, not that I was being awesome, but to them, they you obviously <laughs> liked what was going on. Yeah. Uh, support people. Because... People are awesome, and people that are doing great things deserve to hear that they're doing great things. And I love uh, telling people, and I don't know why that's such a strange build-up societally that you're not supposed to tell people positive things, or that you're not supposed to encourage people, or that you're not supposed to open up to people in that way because it might be emotional in some way, or it Mm -hmm. might... I don't don't know why Mm -hmm. we don't do more of that, and so I, I think that's a really great thing that I definitely try to do and i i wish more people did i i love that and i totally agree with it i think it goes uh, back yeah. to oh and on that note uh you're fucking awesome you, this podcast is great <laughs> you're an unbelievably talented improviser uh the nerd logs are spectacular uh you're a genuinely good kind human being uh yeah like please continue being you and being just like a generally great person because so it's really it's really terrific. The world needs people like that. No, uh, especially I'm... people like that who then go out and try to do stuff with it in the world. Uh, and this podcast alone, like you talk to people about something they're passionate about and to get to do that and to tap into those things for people is so special because you get to then listen to two passionate people talk about something that they're really interested in that makes them happy and that uh, brings them joy or that they're fascinated by. And those kind of things need to be celebrated and deserve to be celebrated. And so it's wonderful to have platforms like it. Uh, so thank you for uh, for being uh, great in general. Oh, and also you were awesome in Owls. Oh, thank you, you so, so much. You and Ryan Ben. Uh, I really loved that show. I really did. Unbelievable. Uh, that was unexpectedly and ridiculously sweet. Thanks, man. You're uh, very welcome, man, and every word of it. I I appreciate that a lot. Now is when I get uh, uncomfortable because I don't, <laughs> don't know how to take compliments. <laughs> definitely, definitely understand that. Um, but that's really sweet, man. Yeah. I honestly, I I've come to the point where I can think of no better way to like connect with someone or, or interact with someone, then hear, then talk to something, talk to them about something they're passionate about. Absolutely. It, it just makes so much sense to me. Absolutely. So this has been an amazing endeavor and I'm so glad, uh, people get something out of it and enjoy it because I certainly feel like I get a lot out of it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and if you're still uncomfortable, we could just talk about how great Ryan Ben is. Cause oh, I mean, uh, I could talk for days. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's what I should have picked. <laughs> I should have picked Ryan there about how great that dude is. Oh my that gosh, that would have been awesome. Uh, we've got to do. We've got to do an episode where we get two. together. Uh, it has to be like uh, I don't know if you've done a panel before. Just not be, really. No, it's got to be a Ryan a Ben panel. panel I would love definitely that. Definitely 
at least a panel's worth of we people. Could, we could, could accrue on on. many of people, many oh, a gosh. person. Uh, thank you so much, Finn. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome. Uh, I'm so glad that you chose to talk about happiness. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad uh, I got to talk about it, too. The way that I end every episode, and uh, I mean it every time, is that I say, I love you, and I mean that. Aw. Yeah. No, I love you, and I mean that. Sweet. I'm so glad. <laughs> This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.